Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. If this show tickles your fancy, then you must have a fancy. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, freshly back from New Orleans and the inaugural NOLA Pipe Show. So, in uh, Pipe Parts, hey, let's recap my trip to uh, Jackson, Mississippi and New Orleans, Louisiana. My guest tonight is Matt Gus. Matt's one of the founders of the Seattle Pipe Club, so we'll talk to him about the Pipe Club and the uh, Seattle Pipe Club blends. Uh, music, mailbag, and I've got a Disney-related rave, but don't know. It's not just a Disney love fest again. It's uh, regarding the American experience. Uh, let me say my uh, my week started off with a bump because the uh, U.S. Postal Service doesn't believe that uh, next day guaranteed means next day guaranteed. And what I discovered is, and this was funny because I was shipping tobacco samples, uh, the U.S. Postal Service uses FedEx as their broker for all movement of express mail. And little did FedEx know there was tobacco in there. Or they did know, and they decided to screw me up with it. Um, anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it has been uh, also been raining a lot here. A lot of folks down in uh, South Carolina and towards the coast of North Carolina. Uh, hope you're doing well. It's uh, been uh, historic floods here in the Carolinas, uh, even to the point where I made sure that my daughter had stocked up on food in case they closed the campus down. I, on the other hand, if I was in college and they were about to close the campus down, I would have made sure I was stocked up on frozen burritos and uh, tobacco. (laughs) Yeah, I got my priorities straight. Maybe I would have made sure I had tobacco first, and then if there was room for frozen burritos, that's what I would have had. Yeah, that's it. All right, let's get the show going. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company, and here we go. Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. Achille Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs, comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today. If you're looking for quality, if you're looking for a variety, and if you're looking for someone with a reputation for nothing but the best, you're looking for CupOfJoes.com. CupOfJoes.com has hundreds of pipes to choose from and thousands of different pipe tobaccos. 
CuppaJoes.com is also your one-stop shop for Peterson Pipes, their exclusive line of Peterson Kelly Pipes. Check out their remodeled website at CuppaJoes.com. And be sure to like them on Facebook, CuppaJoes.com. Quality products at extraordinary prices. Welcome back. All right, so we got Matt Gus on hold, and uh, let's get through this. So my trip started early Wednesday morning, off to the airport, and off to flying directly into New Orleans. So it just was easier that way. Flew into New Orleans, hopped into a rental car, and drove two and a half, three hours up to Jackson, Mississippi to hang out with uh, John David at the Country Squire. If you are going to, uh, if you're going anywhere near Mississippi, make sure and swing by and visit with John David. Stop by the Country Squire. It's one of those shops where it is automatically your home. You just feel at home. You're welcomed at home. It's comfortable. It's not one of those overly fancy, polished, arrogant cigar lounges. It is a real hometown pipe shop. Tons of custom blended tobaccos and can't say enough about John David. Uh, John David gives me hope that there is still going to be a tobacconist tradition going on, going forward for many years. I had dinner that night with uh, John David and Bo at a local, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, local uh, brew pub kind of place. Anyway, and then uh, spent the night there. The next day got up drove back down to New Orleans, kind of working my way down. And uh, uh, just a word of warning, if you're driving on I-55 anywhere between, uh, anywhere uh, when you leave New Orleans, uh, make sure that you've uh, taken care of all your needs because there's a long stretch of no off-ramps, no nothing whatsoever. When I got back into New Orleans, did some retail, and then uh, one of my uh, one of my sales reps was in town, so we had dinner that night, relaxed, uh, smoked a bowl. You know, it, it was kind of fun because last time I was in New Orleans, it was hotter than hell. Well, this time the weather was kind of comfortable for sitting outside. Um, my room, I stayed at the nine hundred five Royal Hotel which is a 10-room converted old house that's run by two ladies. And it's uh, extremely comfortable on Royal Street. They have a front balcony with ashtrays and chairs. And they have behind the house, they have a small patio with a couple of tables and chairs and ashtrays. And they were perfectly comfortable with me smoking my pipe or sitting out on the uh, front porch just having a cup of coffee and watching people go by on the street. It was, uh, I mean, let me tell you this. If I get a chance, I am staying there again and hanging out right there. Uh, about a block down was a restaurant called 801 Royal Bar and Grill. Good food. Some of the best Sazeracs I've ever had. So if you're in New Orleans, go say hi to Andrew or Aubrey, the uh, bartenders there. And ask for the traditional Sazerac, not the modern one. Uh, The next day, on Friday, I had some work to do. Went and visited one more retailer in the area. And then it was on with the pipe show and the gathering. Ran into uh, Zach, Hamrick, and Greta and had a drink with them. Ran into uh, a couple other folks along the way. And then ended up down at uh, Manning's where the group was gathering 
after coming back from the Perique Tour. I understand the Perique Tour was wonderful. I understand that uh, Mark Ryan did a uh, did a great job of getting everybody a chance to get their hands dirty and see how Perique is done. Uh, the group at Manning's, about a hundred of us hanging out outside in a little breezy, uh, little breezy night there, and that's where they held the uh, the smoke off between the two pipe clubs. Looked like they had a good time. I had a great time just watching. Uh, Want to thank everybody that came up to me from uh, the listeners. You all are wonderful. I do appreciate all the uh, all the comments. That is absolutely much appreciated. And the next day was the pipe show. We're running a little bit long on this, so I'm going to shorten this down to say that Toby and the rest of the group that put on the pipe show did a magnificent job considering they had to change venues there was a bit of a hiccup or a, a kitchen fire with their original caterer. But for a first-time pipe show, the venue was absolutely wonderful. Lots of outdoor smoking areas to sit down in. The people at the venue were great. Toby, congratulations. I can't wait to come back next year, and we'll do it again. I've already put the first weekend of October, New Orleans, on my calendar. Um couple of really good retail, local, local retailers came out and put some tables out. Uh, Bayou Tobacco, the Tinderbox, and Metairie. Uh, if I forgot some, I'm sorry. But a lot of the usual suspects there. A couple of pipe carvers, a couple of new ones that I'd never seen before. And again, lots of folks coming in and going. And by about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, it had uh, pretty much wound down for the day. Which was fine with me because there was... Uh, all of the French Quarter to go get to and uh, get back and have a Sazerac. And then Saturday night ended with the Country Squire Radio Group meetup at the New Orleans Cigar Company where they make cigars right there on Decatur Street. And that was pretty much it. Spent the night there with those guys and headed back home. All right, in just a minute, Matt Gus will be on the phone. This is Internet Radio. Craftsmanship, history, tradition. These are the hallmarks of all quality products. From the finest wines bottled in France to the most highly engineered automobiles manufactured in Germany, Denmark has been the one country in the world where craftsmanship, history, and tradition have for centuries created the finest pipe tobaccos in the world. Since 1887, the Halberg family have led the pipe tobacco industry through their ownership of Mac Baron Tobacco Company, and they continue to create the most sought-after blends in the world today, just as they did over 100 years ago. In keeping with their long history of providing the world with the best tobacco on earth, Mac Barron is proud to announce their newest creation, Modern Virginia, as a loose-cut version and a flake version. Bright and dark, rich Virginia tobaccos have been combined with just a hint of burley for strength in this soft and smooth smoke with delicious fruit undertones. As the world leader in flake tobacco production, Mac Barron is sure that this blend will appeal to the true connoisseurs of traditional Virginia flake tobacco, as well as those who like their tobaccos on the sweeter side. Enjoy the culmination of centuries of experience by picking up a tin of Modern Virginia from Mac Barron Tobacco Company. Available at fine tobacconists everywhere. Hi, my name is Eileen Sachi from MarketingPipes.com. If you attend the major pipe shows or buy pipes on eBay, chances are you know my dad, Hank Sachi, or eBuyer1932. 
My dad has been a pipe collector for over three decades and a reseller on eBay for the last 12 years. His new website is marketingpipes.com. At marketingpipes.com, you will find high-quality, hand-picked pipes. Carvers, join my dad's vast network of collectors across the globe and let my dad promote your brand. Collectors, consign your pipes at affordable commissions or buy your next collectible pipe at marketingpipes.com. Thank you. Welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show and joining us from Seattle or the Pacific Northwest, maybe maybe not Seattle in particular, but from the Seattle Pipe Club, please welcome Matt Gus. Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Brian. It's a pleasure to be with you. So let's get started and get to know you. Uh, Where did you grow up and when did you start smoking a pipe? Uh, well... I grew up in the early years in uh, Philadelphia, and uh, uh, my father and family moved out west to the Tacoma, Washington area. My dad worked for Weyerhaeuser, and uh, that brought a lot of people out west, as Weyerhaeuser is a big employer out here, and that moved us to Tacoma, Washington. And probably my uh, first experience with a pipe was probably near my first experience with a cocktail, and that was about eight or nine hours after my parents' cocktail parties when uh, me and my brothers would sneak downstairs and, and sample the, uh, the watery uh, dregs of uh, the guest cocktails and look at the ashtrays littered with different kinds of tobacco products. And uh, then my dad's pipe. My dad was a pipe smoker, and I uh, definitely grew up uh, around the aromas and uh, looks and uh, accessories of uh, pipe smoking. So taking, uh, stealing a, a puff on my dad's pipe uh, was probably my first, uh, first experience. And obviously that wasn't enough to put me off, but it did put me off for probably 20 years. So. <laughs> uh, when did, and so you started about 20 years later, you just decided I'm going to pick up a pipe and give it a try? Oh, hell no. Uh, it was more like my dad was a pipe smoker. My dad was really an academic in addition to a businessman. And, and uh, about the, uh, uh, the time that I headed off for college, uh, my dad said, uh, you come with me. So we went out to the Tacoma Mall, to the Tacoma Tinderbox at the mall, and he says, every college man has to have a pipe. I mean, it was a mandate. You know, it's like you have long pants, you have to have a pipe. So we walked into the Tinderbox, and I thought, this is not exactly a, a, uh, a ritual that I'm too keen on. It's like a coming of age, but my dad was... Um, adamant so we went in there and he he made a sweeping gesture at the at the case that uh, was full of pipes and lighters and things he says you pick a pipe i looked in there and i thought wow you know um they all kind of looked the same to me except the calabash so there was a gourd calabash uh in the case and after careful consideration i i uh i asked to see the calabash and the the uh, pipe man behind the counter nodded sagely as he as he gingerly passed the calabash to me, and um, uh, I said, "Okay, that's going to be my pipe." My dad kind of nods and he's proud, and he says, "That's a that's a good choice." Of course, there was there were no calabashes in my 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 dad's collection, but that was a good start. So I got some tinderbox tobacco and uh, my calabash pipe, uh, packed off to college, smoked it a few times, and then. 
uh, put it in a drawer where it sat until I was about 35. And for some reason or other, I pulled it back out again. That pipe was calling to you and said, come here and try me again? I don't know what it was, really. Um, uh, it's hard to say what, what kind of lured me back into, well, or into pipe smoking. But uh, I saw the pipe. I saw the same tobacco that I had taken from the tinderbox in 1970. And, uh, of course, it was still fresh as the day that I had bought it there because it was loaded with propylene glycol. But what do I know? You know, I just I, I thought it was the miracle of Ziploc bags. So uh, uh, I started puffing on that, and, of course, it tasted like crap, like most people's first tobaccos uh, do. Um, but there was something compelling to it, and there was kind of a um, family ritual of pipe smoking, so I was kind of uh, interested in trying it again. How long after retrying it did you become like a, a regular pipe smoker? I would say that I was a, an irregular pipe smoker, but curious. And, and I think like a lot of pipe smokers, certainly, let's say, 15, 18 years ago and in the Northwest, um, uh, it's kind of a solitary activity. And I'm a pretty social person, so uh, I was curious as to whether there were other pipe smokers out there. I didn't really know where to find them, obviously. Now it seems more clear as to where to find pipe smokers, but back then I didn't know. And that was also the dawn of the Internet. And there were some uh, forums uh, for pipe smoking. I can't remember which one, but um, uh, I posted up on there to see if there were any pipe smokers in the Northwest area uh, who wanted to get together and smoke pipes. And I got two replies, uh, one from uh, Ron Butler and the second from uh, what became my very good friend, uh, Gary Schreier. Uh, and they both chimed in and said, yeah, we, we smoke pipes. We'd like to get together and smoke pipes. So we had our first uh, get-together and a pipe club meeting at the Issaquah Tinderbox, uh, which was a lovely little venue for a pipe club. And I had no idea at that time we were actually starting a pipe club. Uh, and my idea about pipes and tobaccos were extremely limited uh, at that time. So everything was new, and, uh, and that is how it all got started. Let's jump back a little bit. What do you do professionally? I ran an advertising agency. Um, I uh, ran an ad agency and worked for ad agencies um, since 1975. And when I had my own ad agency, we had clients like Nintendo, uh, Kenworth, Columbia Winery, um, some Boeing Works, some Warehouser, a whole variety of things. And like a lot of advertising agencies, we did a lot of different kinds of work from graphic design to uh, TV and radio commercials, uh, print advertising, and that kind of thing. So my background uh, is in advertising and marketing. The reason I mentioned it is so that everybody knew, because I find that stuff just fascinating and brings it into the uh, into the beginning of the Seattle Pipe Club, which apparently was just the three of you. How long did it take to really get it going to where you had a consistent, decent group of people showing up? 
Well, the surprising thing, Brian, was that the very first meeting, I think we had 10 or 15 people. Um, and it really grew from there. Uh, I had no sense that we were getting together for anything other than just to sit down and smoke pipes. I mean, it was all kind of a, um, it was a new experience, and I was interested in what other people knew, and I figured the best way, and I still think the best way to find that out is from other pipe men. I mean, at the time, I was buying pipes off of eBay, or I bought a few pipes off of eBay, and my budget limit was $5. And I reasoned that uh, why spend more than $5 for a pipe? To begin with, you can buy them for $5. And secondly, it's just a piece of wood with two holes in it. So why would that be worth more than 5 bucks? And uh, at one of the early meetings, Gary had a really cute little pipe, and it was a Chriswell that I was kind of coveting, and he had it for sale. And I said, how much do you want for that? And he says, $20. And I said, well, I'll give you $5 for it. And he says, forget it. And I said, well, it's only worth 5 bucks. I never pay more than 5 bucks for a pipe. And he says, well, you're not going to get this one. So um, reluctantly, I coughed up the extra 15 bucks, bought the pipe, and was grumbling the whole way, but I had my first non-$5 pipe, and, and uh, that kind of got me started on the road to hell where I am now. So, Have you gone over the $20 limit yet? Um, depends. If you ask my wife, no. <laughs> I have an amazing collection of Wolfgang Beckers, none of which have cost more than $20. So it's, it's a miracle, really. It's like Jesus and the fishes. <laughs> Those are... Those are some very nice uh, $20 pipes. Um, That's what I think. With the Seattle Pipe Club, you guys do some regular events. Uh, when did those get started, and, and who was behind getting them going? Well, uh, I mean, it was really Gary and I uh, from the beginning. Um, uh, Gary had much more of an idea of what a pipe club was or should be in his mind, and... Um, uh, we started from the idea that uh, getting together should be a lot more than just people sitting in a room smoking pipes. If you don't mix in education and entertainment or give people uh, some reason to come to Pipe Club other than just smoking pipes together, then they could do that at home. So uh, the Seattle Pipe Club was very early on a, uh, a group that uh, tried to uh, make each pipe club meeting uh, interesting, and we would uh, bring. We eventually started bringing in uh, guests. Uh, our first uh, speaker, I think, was uh, uh, Mike Luckler. We brought up Marty Pulvers uh, uh, to join us for an evening, and I believe you were one of our first guests yeah, early the, on in, in Issaquah. And the club survived. Uh, well, it, it, it was shaken, yeah. but not stirred. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so so that was kind of the early premise, and um, to go with that, I think that uh, we we quickly figured out that you got to have a pocketbook, you got to have a treasury in order to do that. So the club reluctantly started getting structure to it, um, and in order to fund these. Um, visits and uh, events that the club was doing, we had to uh, make a little bit of money, and I think that's always the challenge for a lot of pipe clubs. But the club really grew organically, 
and attendance started out very well at the beginning, and it continued to get better and better, and uh, it was fascinating, really, to watch it grow. So uh, Gary and I kind of helmed the, the pipe club uh, for many, many years uh, up to this day. We're going to take a break right here. We're going to, when we come back, we'll talk about uh, pipe tobaccos and uh, end-of-the-year banquets and all that stuff. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Smokingpipes.com has been my family's tradition for over 10 years. My granddad enjoys his evening pipe on the front porch. My father prefers his in the study, and well, me, I like to hang outside the local coffee shop with a pipe in one hand and my smartphone in the other. The best selection is at Smokingpipes.com. They always have the exact pipe I'm looking for. Savinelli, Peterson, Dunhill, and great stuff from dozens of top artisans around the world. Plus, they have over 70 tobacco brands with 750 blends to choose from. Lighters, tampers, tobacco jars, yep, they have that too. But the best part about SmokingPipes.com is that it's easy to order from my computer, tablet, or even my smartphone. And if Granddad has trouble with technology, he can always call them at 1-888-366-0345. I heard that. Do you think I'm deaf? I'm the one who told you about SmokingPipes.com, and I had a smartphone before you. You kids today, blah, blah. SmokingPipes.com. Make it your family tradition. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with Matt Gus of the Seattle Pipe Club and you guys have done some uh, pretty spectacular I don't do you call them end of the year banquets or annual banquets? We call them our annual dinner and auction. It's both a fundraising event and it's our the highlight of the year for the Pipe Club. It's kind of a dressy affair and uh, we have a uh, VIP keynote speaker at each uh, dinner, and uh, it's a catered uh, event. It's, uh, it's fun. It's fancy. We have a um, traditional lighting of the clays ceremony, which Gary uh, got started, and uh, I thought was odd when we first got started. Now it is a real treasured uh, moment uh, uh, to really get each annual dinner started. And it's followed by an auction, which is a fundraising event for the club. And it's a lot of fun. Like I said, it's a highlight of our um, of our year. We started doing those back in 2001. Our first keynote speaker at our annual dinner was Peter Stokeby. Yay. And, yeah, he was absolutely remarkable, an amazing raconteur, incredibly uh, gracious and uh, couldn't have couldn't have started out with uh, a better gentleman from the pipe world than Peter Stokeby. Recently, you had Kevin Godby. Yes, we've had uh, uh, Kevin uh, graced us with his presence. Uh, he put on a delightful uh, show. We had him uh, uh, a year ago, <clears throat> and 
couldn't have been nicer, and we were so pleased that uh, he was able to come up and, and join us. It was long overdue. And the one I'd like to talk about is uh, the famous uh, Clive Dunhill visit. If you can talk us through Have that Have you met one. Clive? Yeah. yeah. He's an amazing guy. Well, for the longest time uh, running our, uh, our uh, annual dinners, uh, we had had the, uh, really the, the very best and most famous people we could find, starting with Peter Stokeby, Ben Rappaport, Marty Pulvers, Craig Tarler, uh, a whole host of stars. Um, and uh, uh, we decided that the one person who hadn't visited us and probably never would visit us was the inimitable Clive Dunhill, the kind of the black sheep of the Dunhill family. Uh, he was such a, uh, a black sheep that the Dunhill family really sent him to all parts of the world to get him out of the family business uh, because he was always making trouble, getting arrested, uh, causing problems wherever he went. So since we couldn't get Clive Dunhill, and since actually there never was a Clive Dunhill, we had to invent him. So we created a, a fake character who was Clive Dunhill. There is no actual Clive Dunhill, but nobody in the pipe club knew that, and frankly nobody in the pipe world knew that. I think that if uh, uh, you had the opportunity to meet Clive Dunhill, you'd so much want him to be there that you would believe that he was the real guy. So we hired an actor <laughs> from uh, the uh, Seattle acting group to portray Clive Dunhill, and he did a masterful job. In fact, we, we gave him a bunch of... Uh, uh, stories and scenarios to uh, talk to our group about. And uh, he was, like most actors, you know, really comfortable with improv. And we were kind of nervous that he wouldn't pass muster with real pipe men. And he says, don't worry about that. And he showed up kind of as a disheveled English gentleman. He mixed and had cocktails with uh, uh, our group for an hour before we sat down to dinner and fielded every single question about Dunhill, about tobacco, about pipes, about uh, little tidbits of Dunhill lore uh, so well that nobody ever guessed that he was a, an imposter. <laughs> and then he did his presentation, and it's on YouTube. If you haven't seen it, it's absolutely wonderful and well worth hopping onto YouTube to see it. I I wish I was there. It was it was really wonderful. Well, thanks. Yeah, it was hilarious. Actually, it's kind of hard to uh, replay, um, you know, as you recount it now. But um, uh, it, it had everybody fooled. Everybody likes to be fooled. Uh, in fact, he was so successful and so good. We had him back a couple of years later <laughs> with new stories, and uh, he would sing, play the guitar, um, and generally entertained so it, it was a lot of fun so we, we were afraid we'd kind of get some grief from the Dunhill family but um, I guess they were too far above the above this issue to uh, to say anything and now let's move on to the uh, to some fun stuff the Seattle Pipe Club pipe tobaccos have become some of some of America's favorites what was the idea for starting it? Who worked on them? 
Well, the Seattle Pipe Club is blessed in a lot of different ways, and one of the main ways that we are blessed is one of our members is, as you know, Joe Lankford. And Joe Lankford, to my mind, is uh, one of the top two blenders, pipe tobacco blenders in the country. And he really started out as a, a, an amateur pipe blender, and technically maybe he still is, but uh, he, he is... Uh, he's an amateur the way Bobby Flay is an amateur cook. <laughs> he's an amazing, he has an amazing gift for, uh, for combining leaf in a way that makes absolutely stunning, one-of-a-kind uh, kind of tobaccos. Joe Lankford created a couple of tobaccos in his garage in his blending stock. Now, when I talk about Joe Lankford's garage, you have to understand that uh, his his uh, uh, blending tobacco uh, armament consists of almost a thousand pounds of tobacco. <laughs> so this is not your guy in a garage with a couple of baggies. Uh, this is a serious a serious tobacco man. And uh, Joe blended for many years before he came up with his initial two signature blends, and those were Mississippi River and Plum Pudding. And at the beginning, he was only making those really on request, and he's also one of the most generous guys you are ever going to meet. Uh, in a world, in a, the pipe world is so full of one-of-a-kind people, Joe Langford is really stands out as a one-of-a-kind guy. He's incredibly generous. He's incredibly talented, very unique, uh, has amazing taste in pipes. And these two tobaccos that he created were so popular in the pipe club that he started blending them as favors. And he'd go, go home, and he'd come back, and he'd vacuum press them because they were both press blends. And he'd be handing out half pounds, pounds of tobaccos, and pretty soon people say, well, i gotta, I got to pay you for that, Joe, and he'd reluctantly take a little bit of money, go back to his garage, press some more tobacco. Well, he's wearing himself out. So finally he says, as much as I would like to do this, isn't there another way? So uh, we called our friend Russ Willette, and Russ says, well, I think I can make Joe's tobacco precisely according to Joe's recipe, precisely using his method and the exact leaf, and get it done for you kind of as a project. So we thought, okay, we'll do a you know one-and-done kind of a uh, deal where we're going to order some tobacco. We put, put out the word that we were going to make it commercially available only to Seattle Pipe Club members. The first order was over 50 pounds of tobacco, <laughs> which really blew me away. And we started uh, uh, from there, and we began getting other requests outside of the pipe club. And it became a blend that we started offering uh, commercially through Pipes and Cigars as the producer of the blend that was created by Joe Langford uh, in 2007. So that's really how long the Seattle Pipe Club blends have been made, starting in 2007 with Mississippi River and Plum Pudding, we added a third to that, uh, which was Seattle Evening. And these are English, uh, English blends. The Plum Pudding is a Balkan blend, and they're incredibly popular. They're arguably the, the most popular um, uh, small batch tobaccos in the country. Um, and 
they've been selling for the last eight years. Just this year, we introduced our first uh, new blends to the series, um, starting with Deception Pass, which is our first Virginia Perique vapor, and secondly with Potlatch. And if you've seen the artwork uh, on those, they are, they're really fantastic. They're beautiful blends, uh, very elegant and, and complex and rich. Um, and uh, Joe Langford really uh, excelled the very high level uh, of expectation that everybody had by putting out these new blends. For those that haven't tried them yet, can you put them all kind of, uh, or give a description of what they, what they might be close to or what they might be similar to that people have tried? Um, you know, that's hard to say. Uh, plum pudding, as I said, is a Balkan. That's my personal go-to uh, tobacco. It's a pressed blend. It's a cake. It um, uh, has a very oriental uh, forward, Turkish forward, um, Latakia tobacco with a little bit of Perique and Cavendish in it. It's a, it's a spectacular tobacco. And, of course, I'm biased, but to me, most tobaccos fall into the mediocre range. Um, there are a lot of tobaccos being produced and very few that are really notable, recognizing that everybody's taste is different. You know, my favorite tobacco might not be yours. Yours might not be mine. I get that. Um, but our, our blends are more in the area of uh, we try and produce the very best blends that we can, not the very most blends that we can. So. Plum Pudding is a Balkan. Mississippi River is kind of an upside-down Balkan, which has uh, uh, more Virginia than Latakia in it, as opposed to having a much stronger Latakia presence. Uh, Seattle Evening is definitely a, uh, an English with uh, some choice uh, Turkish leaf to it. Deception Pass, as I said, is, uh, is a vapor. Like most vapors, it's not just Virginia and Perique. Uh, it has other condiments in it, in, uh, including uh, Turkish and, and some Cavendish in it to uh, help it, uh, you know, build some body to it. And Potlatch, interestingly enough, is an English with some super high quality uh, burly leaf to it, which gives it a very nutty kind of uh, uh, taste to it. Is there anything new coming out? Yeah, as a matter of fact, our newest blend is called Pike Place, and it's named after uh, the Pike Place area in Seattle. I don't know whether you've ever been to the uh, public market in Seattle, but um, that is a place where you'll find a, a, a whole new world of uh, aromas and colors and food sensations. And with that in mind, Joe created a, a blend that has a very rich uh, character to it, and it's called Pike Place. Is that the place where they toss the fish? It is the place where they toss the fish. Okay. In fact, without giving anything away, that's uh, uh, one of the design elements of the new label that's coming out. I was going to say, maybe, does the tobacco smell like fish? Uh, thanks. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> well, I mean, if you can find a Latakia fish, then yeah, it probably smells like that. I, I like smoked salmon. Maybe smoke. No, that that would be a terrible mix. Um, I think you're onto something. Yeah, I will say that I've met Joe, and Joe is 
one of the most positive and upbeat people to be around always with a smile and a, and just great to hang out with. Joe is really one of the best. And, and you know, I have to say, and I don't think my experience is unique, that if it weren't for the Seattle Pipe Club, I wouldn't have the wonderful friends that I have uh, today. I mean, I've met people in the pipe world, as I'm sure you have, that um, are my best friends and the most interesting people that I know. And I have to thank the Seattle Pipe Club for that because I never would have met them otherwise. I never would have met Joe Langford's or Gary Schreier's uh, or any of the other great guys in the Seattle Pipe Club uh, or the people that I know and have met around the world in the pipe uh, hobby. So it's a tremendous community, and uh, I owe a lot to, uh, to it. So I'm lucky. Are visitors welcome at the pipe club meetings? Uh, well, that's a, that's a loaded question. So I guess the answer is always yes. Of course visitors are always welcome. When have you known a, a pipe club to shun visitors? In fact, if you're catching for an invitation, I wish you'd come out and visit us right away. Uh, we have uh, new members and visitors come to our monthly meetings um, uh, every month. Um, it's, uh, it's very open. We typically get 35 to 40 folks uh, per uh, per club meeting every month. We meet on the second Wednesday of, uh, of every month. So the second Wednesday of every month is the perfect time to head to Seattle and uh, hang out with the Seattle Pipe Club guys. Absolutely. Matt, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answers, whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Uh, yeah, especially with the no right and no wrong part. Yeah. What's your favorite pipe? Wolfgang Becker. What's your favorite tobacco? Plum pudding. That was easy. Uh, what is your favorite drink? Gin and tonic. Do you have a favorite gin? And no, make that two gin and tonics. <laughs> All right. Do you have a particularly favorite gin? Uh, cold, wet, in a glass. <laughs> And, and then soon onto your lips and down the throat. Uh, when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Um, probably a, a movie and a good pipe, of course. And last question. Do you have a particularly favorite pipe smoking memory that we haven't talked about? Probably one of my favorite pipe smoking memories was one at one of our great... Uh, annual dinners, I had the, the great pleasure <clears throat> to have my two brothers, uh, John Gus and Peter Gus, and my dad, Leonard Gus, who really got me started in this, and uh, he's since passed away, but um, we had the rare opportunity to be together uh, as uh, pipe men, as uh, family, as father and sons, and to uh, share an evening together. Um, and it was a special time, and I will always treasure that. Yeah, I can see why. Matt, to get the tobaccos, people can go online or find them at their favorite retailer. How can we get a hold of the Pipe Club if we need to? Our tobaccos are available through uh, Pipes and Cigars, um, Smoking Pipes, 
four noggins, and uh, locally through the Tinderbox and some other retailers, and we're working on building distribution wider and wider all the time because the tobaccos really have been a victim of their own success. So they've been darn hard to keep in stock. And uh, we get many emails uh, every week saying, hey, you know, how can I get this? And, and the answer is, please be patient. We're sorry. You know, this is a small batch um, uh, kind of production, and uh, we can't sacrifice uh, uh, quality for production. So we're, we're doing the best we can, and, and so far that's uh, hopefully pretty good. And how can we get a hold of you? Well, you can reach us at our website at seattlepipeclub.org or the uh, tobacco blends. Uh, you can read about them and see the links where they're available at spcblends.com. Thank you very much for joining us, and uh, thanks for all you're doing up there. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it, Brian. We'll be back in just a minute. It's Saturday morning at the crack of dawn. The cool chill of night still clings to the air as the sun slowly rises over the misty surface of the lake. You've waited all week for just this moment. You know that today is going to be epic. Everything is here to ensure perfection, from the nice full cooler packed with your favorite suds to the other empty one, waiting to be filled with piles of freshly caught fish. Reaching into your pocket, you pull out your trusty briar and fill it with your favorite tobacco, aptly named Great Outdoors. It is the perfect smoke for moments like these. A strike, a flash, and your tobacco is lit as the delicious mixture ignites and swirls over your tongue and the deep, rich burleys with a hint of sweet Virginia dance in your mouth. You smile, casting your first line into the water the slowly widening ripples begin to stir as you feel the first bite of the day tug at your line. Now you know it truly is going to be a good day and a perfect time to enjoy the simple yet unmatchable pleasures of the great outdoors. Great Outdoors is another fine quality pipe tobacco manufactured by Sudliff, America's oldest tobacco company, and is available at fine tobacconists everywhere. Enjoy your perfect day by purchasing a tin today. Don't try to fool us. We know something is getting you down. The world. The job. Your wife. The rotten kids. What you need is a break that is guaranteed to boost your spirits. And the West Coast Pipe Show in Las Vegas provides that break every year. Get off the plane. Look at those garish neon lights on Las Vegas Boulevard and start smiling. Then come to the Palace Station Hotel for a two-day non-stop spirit-lifting immersion in your favorite hobby. Pipes. Nothing but pipes. Smoke on the showroom floor. Gamble or gamble with those great friends you see all too infrequently. When you get home only a little bit poorer, and why shouldn't the kids go to the local J.C. instead of being spoiled by that expensive university? You will be so much happier to see the wife and the kids. Unfortunately, we can't help with the job situation. November 6th and 7th, 2015, Las Vegas, Nevada. 
This is Internet Radio. We are back. How is that for how to start up a pipe club and how to keep a pipe club interesting? Uh, check out the Seattle Pipe Club and their uh, Seattle Pipe Club blends. Uh, Kevin wanted me to remind you that yesterday E. Roberts posted his first article on the New Orleans Pipe Show, the pre-show article kind of, and the follow-up will be out shortly, so I can't wait to see that. All right, uh, so yesterday, my wife said something about it to me. Uh, I was in a Gershwin mood, and someone to watch over me. I found this one sung by Mammy Nixon. It's, it's really cool. I hope you enjoy it.
and what makes that music really cool, of course, is uh, Gershwin wrote all that while smoking his pipe. Three little words. Got mail. All right, in the mailbag from the pipesmagazine.com forums, John Seiler writes, Hi, Brian, glad you had a uh, good time on your trip to enter tobacco. Brad Pullman is a name that I'm familiar with, but have not had a chance to try his pipes unless an old Briar workshop counts. Uh, he had quite a circuitous trip on his journey to becoming a pipe maker. I agree that we are in the golden age of pipes. Today's high-quality pipe cannot be beat in terms of fit, finish, and quality. Everyone expects a hand-cut stem today. Music, you can't beat Frank. Rant, it won't help me to boycott Harrah's and the Caesars properties as now being retired, the chance that I would go to one is very slight. (laughs) I'm glad the New Orleans Club was able to find a close, no-hassle smoking venue for the show and wish them... Every success. I'm really finding out that I missed the core show this time of the year. That's the Richmond Pipe Show. Uh, good show, by the way. I had a computer crash during the show, but came back to listen to it in its entirety. Good show. Uh, Casey Ghost writes, uh, Glad your trip to Inner Tobacco was a safe one. Brad Pullman's road is certainly not typical of today's carvers. He was a bit of a nomad and paid his dues to learn his profession. Could you imagine the current generation of carvers being told they need to apprentice for four years to learn their craft? Uh, His pipes are simply some of the best pipes in the world. When talking about the truly great American carvers, he has to be included in the discussion, and he always wears such great hats. Old Blue Eyes was just amazing, wasn't he? Uh, Dan says, I'm kind of like John. Harris and Caesars can rot in hell, but since I never go there, they will never know I'm gone. <laughs> I don't envy the folks walking back to their hotel after several hours of adult beverages and several bowls of great tobacco. A 15-minute walk can seem like an eternity. Uh, there was a couple of hotels right nearby, so that was great, and there was taxis. Um, Ed Green writes, still loving the show each week. I think the new site for the NOLA Pipe Show is better than Harris, regardless of the reasons for the move. Good things seem to work out, despite the nanny state in which we currently live. I have a condition which makes it painful to ride in a car, stand or walk more than a block, making my world very small. I've regretted being able... Uh, I've regretted being able to attend any of the New Orleans Pipe Club meetings. Now I can add missing the show to my regrets. Wish I could have thanked you in person. If you get to Aiken for some great coffee, try PJ's. It's a block away from the Pipe Show's Hall by the World War II Museum. Beats Starbucks any day. Um, A lot of the little coffee shops around New Orleans beats Starbucks any day. Uh, Pappy Mac writes, Great podcast as usual. Looking forward to having the chance to meet you at the New Orleans Pipe Show. Will you be joining us for the tour on Friday as well? Nope. Uh, The problem is not just Harris, but the politically corrupt city council, which ignored everything told to them by business owners. I wouldn't be surprised if we found out the decision as, based on pressure put on Harris by certain council members, even though the Pipe Club had letters saying that the event was permissible. Yeah, well, guess what? We ended up in a better place anyway. Um, On the... Pipes Magazine radio show page on Facebook, which I hope you all click like on that. Sean Sin wrote, uh, in an earlier show you had a guy complaining over the show's anti-aromatics view. 
The defense was that this was false. Though I felt the complainer was rather dramatic in his complaining, he does make a point. A lot of us aromatic smokers feel as if we are sitting at the kids' table, where the English blend smokers are the adults. Frankly, I'd rather be at the pipe smokers' kids' table. Our smoke smells better, and we have cookies. A uh, little update for you, Sean. I like cookies. Um, no, I get you know I honestly uh, anchovy D was at the show and we talked about it for a while, and then I gave him a sample or two of some McBaron aromatics. Um, it does, you know, the the forum community does come off as a little heavy-handed when talking to the aromatic smokers. And that's why I've hoped from the start when I've said, if you smoke a pipe, I don't care what kind of pipe, what price the pipe costs, what tobacco you smoke. As long as you smoke a pipe and you smoke tobacco in it, you're a friend of mine. Um, I would much rather be around an aromatic smoker than an English smoker because Latakia bothers me. And maybe that's why I don't get to sit at the big kids or at the adults table because I can't do Latakia. I just can't do it. Anyway, uh, Anchovy and I had a good laugh and we talked about uh, the proper way to do a Caesar salad with at least five or six anchovies on it. And then on Facebook, uh, if I can find it quick enough, the basic comment was from one of the Facebook groups that what's the process that some of these companies are going through to recreate some of these old blends? Uh, in particular, talking about John Cotton's and Warhorse and going back to the standard uh, tobacco company of Pennsylvania. The process is very difficult, and I'll touch on it briefly. One, in order to get a real sample of the product that you're going to taste test, you're going to get an aged version of it. So now you have to smoke it and see what it tastes like aged, but imagine what it would taste like when it's fresher and younger. Uh, Two, a lot of those individual varietal tobaccos and grades of tobaccos are just not available anymore. So it is truly an art form of the imagination and a science of trial by error, and I think that's right, to recreate what you can as close as possible on some of these blends uh in the case that was brought up on the uh on the page on facebook in the case of three nuns the blend was changed it was changed completely and going back and revamping it and doing a three nuns with perique is a possibility but you have to recreate it and rethink what did it taste like back then And that is extremely hard to do. There's a few folks that are talented enough to do it. I'm willing to bet that Russ was one of them. Uh, I'm not. I'm not that talented when it comes to taste and recreating an old blend. Uh, If you're looking at recreating an aromatic blend, that's going to be really hard because the casings or the flavorings are going to wear off. When you go grab an old... 20 or 30 year old tin of something you may not know it but there may have been a casing on it at the beginning and it may have evaporated Uh, when you get to an old can of an English tobacco the Latakia strength is going to be completely different and as I talked about oh a year year and a half ago when you're dealing with a Virginia Perique blend the Perique is going to be completely different 
So it's, like I said, it's an art and a science of uh, get as close as you can. All right, in just a minute, rave time. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell and Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. At Cornell and Deal, we think the best things in life are better with age, and we are passionate about creating the best possible pipe tobacco available. Fueled by this passion, we introduced the Cellar Series, a collection of blends like no other. While the blends in this series are ready to smoke now, each one has been meticulously designed to optimize depth and complexity as the tobacco ages in the tin. Currently, the Cellar Series is comprised of Oak Alley, Chenay's Cake, Joie de Vivre, Old Grove, and Bourbon Blue, but we will be unveiling new additions to this very special series as time goes on. Pick up a tin to smoke now and save a few for later enjoyment so that you can experience all the richness and subtlety each blend will reveal through the years. Cornell and Deal's Cellar Series. The secret ingredient is time. Contact your local or online retailer for information. Do you need a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favorite blends outside of the U.S.? Fournoggins.com stocks all of your favorite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the U.S. and international with no worries. Fournoggins.com for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. Cowboy. Cowboy. Let me say hooray to PBS and the American Experience for their four-hour, two-part portrayal documentary biography on Walt Disney. And why do I say hooray to them for what they did? Well, first of all, they managed to get the Disney company to agree to have absolutely no editorial approval whatsoever. They got the cooperation of the Disney company, and it was for the first time ever the Walt Disney that was the real Walt Disney seen on TV or film. And at one point, Walt had even said that he was that the Walt Disney that people see on TV is a character the real Walt Disney and there are several scenes of him smoking smoking a pipe smoking cigars everybody in the uh, everybody in the background still smoking PBS did not did not edit out the smoking. They kept it in to show it as historical. There was no stupid frickin' warning saying, warning, this shows historical smoking in it. No, it was purely, purely a real documentary on the man. Now, from my viewpoint, they've glossed over a few things. They skipped or rough-shotted a couple of things, but... In all, they did a wonderful job of four hours of exploring who Walt Disney was and what was pushing him to do what he did without doctoring it up. 
It is a wonderful documentary, and if you get a chance, if you can see it as a rerun or see it online or order the DVD, I highly suggest it. I watched it twice already, and it is well, well done. I say good job to PBS and the American Experience. All right, that's going to about do it for us. Uh, don't forget West Coast Pipe Show, Las Vegas, Nevada, November 6th or 7th, 7th and 8th, something like that. That Saturday and Sunday, that's the last pipe show of the season. And as you can tell from the folks that came back from Nashville and from New Orleans, pipe shows are a lot of fun. Hope to see you all there. Thank you all that uh, came up to me. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to Matt Gus for joining me. Thank you to the McBaron Tobacco Company, and until next time. Cares about the clouds when we're together. Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Warning, if you find your fancy, don't show it in public. You could get arrested or laughed at.